Morning, everyone. Morning. I've done lots of like seal clapping this morning. I don't know why. So. Um, before I just um, share what God's put on my heart f- um, for this morning, just want to take two minutes um, just to give you some info. Nigel um, is one of the elders at Gateway, Nigel Howarth, and he is going to be taking a sabbatical um, later this year, starting in the middle of August for three months. He's going to take a sabbatical. It's not a holiday, as I used to think they were when I was younger. Um, so, so I, the reason being quite simply is that I felt God speak to me about Nigel taking a sabbatical. Um, and so that's the why. And there was a whole series of um, things that were happening middle of last year, early last year, where, um, where stuff that God was doing in Nigel and stuff that I felt God was speaking to me um, kind of came together. And I'm like, yeah, I've got real faith, this is something that God wants to do. So I, I felt that God began to speak to me about this anyway. Um, and I was sharing with Emma one day, um, just saying, look, I think this is what God's talking about for Nigel. Nigel's been employed by Gateway for 15 years now, um, which is not an insignificant amount of time. And, and I just said, I just feel, I can't shake this thing about Nigel going on a sabbatical. I can't shake it off. And um, so I was just saying to her about it. I was, I'm not the biggest fan of sabbaticals. I don't think they're wrong, but I, nonetheless, I felt like God was talking about Nigel having a sabbatical. The next day after I spoke to Emma, I um, saw Nigel in um, for a coffee, and we were just chatting, and he said to me, he said, I don't feel like I've got enough time for God at the moment. He's like, I serve Emma, sorry, Emma, maybe, um, Helen and the kids, and I love that, I'm not complaining about it. I'm serving at Gateway, and I love that, and I'm not complaining about it, but I just feel like I don't have space to spend time with God. And I would say that's a fairly foundational, fundamental thing for any of us. Um, and I think our world is incredibly busy. And when Nigel, said, when Nigel said this to me, I just said, huh, funny you should say that. I wasn't planning on talking to him about it at that point. And I just said, funny you should say that. I was just saying to Emma yesterday, I wonder if you should be having a sabbatical. Um, and so we were, we were talking about that. I, when I was in Northern Ireland... Um, Beginning of last year, I, I ended up having a meal with somebody at a conference I went to. I didn't know this. Well, I knew of them, but I didn't know them. And they were just about to go on a sabbatical themselves. Their trustees of the church had kicked this guy onto a sabbatical. They'd been through a whole number of um, quite big situations, and he was exhausted. And they said, we just think you need to take three, three months out, go spend time, enjoy life, connect with God. Um, and so he kind of reluctantly agreed to this. And just before he went, his friend, he reconnected with an old friend, and his friend had written his thesis um, on the power of sabbaticals, not just in churches, but just sabbaticals at large and just their effectiveness. And he said reading his friend's thesis utterly convinced him that it's a fruitful, worthwhile thing. And he was telling me the whys and whats, and I was like, wow, that's amazing, because I feel like God's been talking to me about this for Nigel Anyway, so Nigel's going to take three months off from working in the middle of August. I really believe it's significant timing for us as a church as well, not, not just for Nigel and Helen, but also for us um, and all that God's doing with us. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I believe God's going to bless them. Can I ask you to please um, commit to pray for Nigel and Helen and the family over this time? Um, I really feel that just, I'm a big believer in age and stage of life. And at different ages and stages of life, we, we bear different kinds of fruit. And different, you know, when we're younger, a lot of life is about learning. When we get a bit older, it's about having a go. 
And as we begin to get older, it's about bearing fruit from that learning and having a go. And I really feel this is about Nigel, um, no pressure on him, but becoming fruitful in a, in a new way. And that's what I really believe God wants to do. So please do pray for these guys over this season. Um, happy to email me if you've got any questions about it or whatever, or talk to me, that's fine. Um, just wanted to let you know. So, what on earth is God doing with us at the moment is my question, <laughs> in a good way. I, I feel like, um, what is God doing? I feel like he's not making it easy. I feel like um, he is ruffling feathers, my feathers, our feathers. I feel like he's saying, look, I want you to not just plan on ahead and plow on ahead. I want you to learn to seek me. I want you to learn to follow my spirit in a new way, in a, in a much more intentional way. And boy, is it hard. I feel, like, I feel like I'm learning. I feel like I'm going, God, I have no idea what, what it means to follow you. I mean, I do, but I feel like, help, help. Um, God, what are you doing with us? This is a fun time. You've spoken to us, trust you, albeit it's difficult. I don't know about you, but I find sometimes following Jesus, Jesus is quite a challenge in life. I mean, being a Christian, in terms of I am saved, I know that God loves me, I know that he's for me, fine. But being somebody who follows Jesus, who follows the Spirit, who walks in step with the Spirit, actually is quite hard. And it's much more about God disciplining us and breaking us and reforming us and and bringing new spiritual formation in our life. And I, I feel like that's what God's doing with me at the moment. So I, I'm just being honest. I feel like I'm kind of going, God, help me. I, I know you're doing something with us. I know you're for us and you're, spoke, you're speaking to us. But nonetheless, I feel that God is, um, I feel that he's calling us to greater intimacy with him. And I'm fast learning, boy, is that difficult. Easily said, like cheaply said, if we're not careful. But actually being somebody who follows and pursues him with an earnest desire, I'm, I'm finding that hard. I'm just being real. I'm, I feel like God's going, come on, this is what I'm after. This. And it's costly and painful. Good. <laughs> Thanks. I, um, I was just recently reading the... Sorry, Judge, I'm not ignoring you. Good. Um, I was just recently reading when Jesus writes the letters to the um, seven churches at the beginning of Revelation. So Jesus, he's writing letters to the churches and he's encouraging them to life and godliness, to, to, um, to be communities, church families that are full of faith and hunger for God, that, that trust him, that lean into him, that are faithful really is the bottom line, that churches are faithful to him. And as I was reading through this, I, I felt like God spoke to my heart quite painfully um, through the church, the letter to the Laodicean church. And I just want to read it, and then I want to um, call us on from this letter as a response. And I want to finish this morning by playing a song that I felt God spoke to me about last week um, in the meeting. And I I feel like I'm just simply playing it because I want to be obedient to God. I felt like he, said, he reminded me of this song and said, I want you to play this as a means of response this morning. So that's where we're going to land this morning. So let's just read this and we'll pray 
Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Jesus spoke this. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with, with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father, we, we thank you that you are a God of incredible patience and kindness that you are so faithful. We don't just say that as an abstract truth. I, in this phase, I mean, I don't know what it is, season of whatever God's doing to me, I was, I was, I don't know if I was stressed, but I was just thinking, gosh, how are we going to do what you're calling us to? And I, I felt like God spoke right into, me, into my heart and said, name one time in your life when I've not been faithful to you. Can you name one single moment in your life when I haven't been faithful? So, Father, we declare that you are a faithful God. And even when we don't feel like it or it doesn't resonate in our heart, we state it as truth because you are. And I pray just in these moments right now that you would come and ignite within us a fresh intimacy, a fresh passion for you, a fresh desire and hunger to know you, to follow you, to walk with you. I pray that. I pray. Come breathe on us this morning. We, we don't want to gather for the sake of gathering. We want to gather because you are a good God. And so we bless your name this morning. Pray. Encounter us by your spirit for your glory and our joy. We ask this in your mighty name. Amen. One of the, one of the things I feel like I'm learning at the moment I, is that when the scripture talks about being led by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, it's not this kind of, it's not just this slightly floaty thing, or where do I think the Spirit's at work right now, and oh, he's over there, I'm going to go over there, oh, no, he's over here now, I, I think I can live my life like that quite a lot, kind of like, where, where are you, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? And I, I, I just feel like God's been talking to me about, about keeping in step with the Spirit. Hey, if you want to learn to seek first the kingdom, one of the key things we're going to need to do is to learn to keep in step with the Spirit. I, I wonder if that's easier said than done. And 
requires far more change. And so where God's kind of been saying to us as a team, look, I want you to stop trying to build Gateway and I want you to pursue my kingdom and learn what it is. Uh, That's what it feels like. It feels like, okay, we'll learn what it is to pursue the kingdom. How do we do that? Well, it feels like God's saying, I want you to keep in step with my spirit. And rather than this vague, oh, it feels like the spirit's over here doing something nice. I feel like God's kind of showing me, no, the Holy Spirit is moving quick. He's like, come on, keep up. Come on, church, I'm moving. Time to keep in step with me. And, and that he's about something and he's doing something good and he's inviting us to keep in step with him, to keep up, kind of going, okay, we're keeping up. Come on. Much more intentional than this vague, floaty thing that I often think about keeping in step with the Spirit means. I, I don't know if, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. One day asked to go on a walk with Nigel. It's the most surreal experience you'll ever have. So he's not that small, but he's shorter than me, so I can call him small. But his legs are tiny. They're disproportionate to his body, and they are utterly disproportionate to the speed at which he walks. And so he walks, and, and Nigel's like just pacing along at this ridiculous pace, and you feel like a child with their parent trying to keep up. And you know when you see kids walking, and they're trying to keep up with their parents, they kind of do this run thing, where they just like... And so you go for a walk with Nigel, and you feel like you look like this ridiculous thing, kind of doing this every fifth step. You have to do this little skip to keep up with him. I feel like that's what God's talking to me about at the moment. He's like, I want you to keep in step with my spirit. And I'm, I just feel like I'm in a moment of learning and going, ouch, this is painful. Ouch, this is hard. And that God, I, when I was reading this, I just felt like God said, come on, Colin. Come on. Come on, don't be like this Laodicean church. You're neither hot nor cold. You're, you're, you're good for nothing. That's not what I've called you to be. That's useless to me. That's not what I'm after. That's not the church I've called for myself. I wish that you were one or the other. But lukewarmness is just not good. And, and I feel like God's, this, this um, amazing statement that Jesus says of the church, you say, I am rich. I, I have acquired wealth and do not require a thing. Do you know, I, I feel like, I wonder if that's been the posture of our heart for a long time. And I don't, I'm not, I mean, myself, us as a team, maybe us as a church, maybe us as the church in the West is, hey, do you know what? We've got a bank account. We've got a roof over our head. We've got entertainment. We've got things like this that just mean you can access anything in the world you want whenever you want it. And good job, we've got Jesus who saves us from sin and, and loves us and I'm sorted. Man, this, this middle class living is just so nice. It's like I've got everything I need and I've got Jesus who, who saved me. And, and I, I, wonder, I wonder that we're in a position where it's kind of like we are so um, self-assured and we are so not undependent on God. We're independent of God in our thinking at times. And I feel like God's been saying this to me. It might not look like you say, I'm rich, but it might look words to the effect of. And Jesus says, you say, I'm rich, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and self to put on your eyes so you can see. I feel like God's saying that to me at the moment. I'm not trying to beat myself up. I just feel like God's saying, look, come on. You, you see yourself like this, but I long for you to be like this. Gateway, you see yourself about structures and sorted and making sure things are, are working well, but I want you to be a people who encounter me in power and who know me. 
And I, I'm just being honest here. I know this heart can lie like anything to myself. I know I'm so good at going, I, hey, I'm, I'm sorted. I've got what I need. And I've got God as well. Isn't life good? And God's going, but is it really that? Because I'm a God who sees your nakedness. We're very good, aren't we, at putting on this facade and, and we, we, we're encouraged by everything social media. I'm not, I'm not having a go. I know it's good for lots of stuff. But we are encouraged to live life behind this plastic veneer. And we think, and we think that to be known means we've got to impress one another. But God sees through everything to your heart. And that's painful, isn't it? That's, that's a challenge because he knows who we are. He sees our nakedness and vulnerability. He says, do you know what? I love you. I love you. He doesn't beat us up. Listen to, listen to what he says. To those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Like a loving father. I'm not just pointing out, Colin, come on. You could do a bit better than you're doing. That was a bit of a NAF school report. He says, no, no, no. I love you. I want you to know this love. And so I just, I just feel like this letter to the Laodicean church, just, I felt like God began to speak to me through it. And I, I want to encourage us with this part from it. There's an amazing invitation that Jesus then says. He says, look, Laodiceans, here's your issue. You think you've got it together, but you haven't. But because I love you, I'm going to discipline you and rebuke you. And he says this, though, um, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I think oftentimes we think this is some gospel appeal. Look, Jesus has stood outside the door of your life on on the other side of your heart and he's knocking and if you would open the door to him, he'll come in and you'll receive salvation. Well, that's, that's true, of course. He is knocking. If you're here this morning and you don't know him, he is there. He is, he is present and he is knocking and he's saying, hey, can I break into your life? Can I come and show my goodness to you? Can I, can I set you free from sin and bondage? But Jesus is speaking to his church here. He's speaking not, not to people who don't know Jesus. He's speaking to the Laodicean church. And he's saying, church, I'm, I'm knocking on your door corporately. Laodiceans... Gateway, I'm knocking on the door of gateway. I'm, so, I'm asking, will you let me in? Colin, I'm, I'm knocking on the door of your life and you're so busy trying to sort church and do this and that and the other and, and kind of going, oh, look, I've got wealth and I've got this and that and juggling life, spinning those life plates that they better not crash to the floor. Somebody might think, ha, failed. But would you just open the door and let me in because I want you to know that I love you. And boy, is it painful. I'm, I'm, being loved by God is actually a, an incredible challenge in our life. He says, I want to eat with you. We often just think, that's odd, what, go for a McDonald's with Jesus kind of thing. But in, in the Jewish mindset or Middle Eastern mindset, to eat with somebody is to have deep fellowship with them. It's to enjoy them. It's, to, it's intimacy. It's this thing of, of great relationship. And he says, I want relationship with you. I, I want to be those recesses of your heart that you think, God, you're not having that. I, if you knew what that was like, God, 
You'd hate me. You wouldn't love me. He says, no, I, I want to fellowship with you there. Not in McDonald's, but in the dining hall of your heart. That's what I long for. That kind of relationship. An invitation to greater intimacy with God. And I wonder, and I, and I feel this is what God's showing me, is that we are hardwired in our self-assurance. Um, We're hardwired to stop pursuing God. I'm not saying we, sorry, I don't mean none of us pursue God, but, but pursuing Jesus is hard. It's a challenge. Um, A.W. Tozer, a Christian thinker and writer, he, he wrote a book called The Pursuit of God. And in it, he had a chapter called Following Hard After God. It's a great little book. I encourage you to read it. And he wrote this back in the late 40s, but I think it's utterly relevant to us today. And he's showing that um, he was talking about Moses and David and Paul and hymn writers and um, through the ages and people who've pursued after God. And, and as they've pursued after God, it's caused a deeper hunger to pursue after God. As they've tasted and seen that God is good, they, they long to taste more of him and to know him more. And he's saying, look, this is, this is the shape of a healthy Christian life, of what it means to be in the family of God. And, he sa- and one thing he says, he, he says this, how tragic is it that in this day we have our seeking done for us by teachers. And we have good things, whether it's podcasts or books or, or Sundays or small groups or whatever it is, coffees with a friend and, 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 we des- and we need each other to pursue God. We can't live on our own independent, but that we just allow others to do that feeding for us. And he's saying it's tragic that within us as followers and as a community of God, there is a lack of pursuing him ourselves. The hard work of following Jesus. So after displaying the life of Moses and David, he says, everything is made to center upon the initial act of accepting Christ. He goes on to say, and we are not expected thereafter to crave any further revelation of God to our souls. We have been snarled in the coils of a spurious logic which insists that if we have found him, we need no more seek him. I've got Jesus. He's got me. I'm saved. Done. I wonder if that's what Jesus is talking to me about at the moment. You've stopped seeking me. You haven't pursued me. Paul, in the letter to Romans, to the Romans, he said this in chapter 12, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal, Christian. What does that mean? It means it's going to be a hard, ruthless time with oneself saying, God, be at work in me. Discipline, rebuke, shape my life because you love me and I want to know that love. I wonder, I wonder how many of us know about God but don't know him. How many of us know that he's loved us but we don't love him in the way that he's called us to. We love the fact that he saved us. But this ongoing running with the Spirit Walking with the Spirit, growing in desire and intimacy 
with God, I wonder that we find that quite hard because it basically means this. A life of obedience, change, repentance from sin, saying, gosh, I've, I've, look at all this wealth I've got for myself. Look at everything that I've managed to sort for myself. And Jesus says, hey, I want you to repent from that. I want you to be those who are utterly dependent upon me. And we find that hard. I know I, know I find it hard. It's why the, um, the Ephesian church, Paul wrote to them this. He, he wrote out his prayers. He said, Ephesians, this is the kind of thing I'm praying for you. I keep asking God that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. You already know him, but there's more. I long that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for those, for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but the one to come. Ephesians, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you may know Jesus better and the hope to which you've been called. I wonder if we pray that for one another and ourselves. I wonder, I wonder if we respond to that. Whether we just know lots about God. Or whether we are growing in our knowledge of him. Not, not I know that God is almighty and maker of heaven and earth and that he is good and kind. Not that kind of thing, but the imminence of God. The closeness, the intimacy, that close fellowship, the manifest presence of God. And he's saying, I want to be with you in your life, believer. I want you to know my goodness. I don't want you just to be self-sufficient, relying on yourself for life and godliness. I want you to lean on me. I want you to throw yourself on me. I want you to abandon yourself to me. Boy, is that hard. It's so hard that Paul says you need the Spirit's power to do that. You can't. To grow in love for Jesus isn't just this intellectual, cerebral exercise. It's not just the thing of going to church. It doesn't do it. I'm sorry. We need the power of the Spirit. The same power that, that God created the heavens and the earth by. The same power that he raised Christ Jesus from death by. Loosed him from death. Is the same power that is in you and I who believe in Jesus. And to grow in knowledge of God, to grow in intimacy with Him, to grow in love for Him, we need the Spirit's power. But then the Spirit comes and He says, Keep up. Keep up. Not, not, don't do this thing of self reliance. Well, I, and, and I'm, I once believed in Jesus. I prayed this prayer of confession that Jesus is Lord and Savior, done, sorted. He says, I want you to do the same again today. And tomorrow. And the next day. I want that to be the posture of your life. That you are pursuing him. That you are running after him. And then Paul just, just finally, Paul, a, a couple of chapters later in chapter 3, he prays for the Ephesians again. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I just want to ask you this morning, is Christ dwelling in your heart? Is he a welcome dweller? Has the Spirit got your attention today? And I pray that you, Ephesian Church, you Gateway, you follower of Christ Jesus, I pray that you being rooted and established in love, not in fear, not in self-assured nonsense. That sounded very Wiltshire, self-assured. <laughs> Rooted and established in love. May have the power together with all the Lord's holy people. I pray that you have the power to grasp what Jesus is doing and who he is. How high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ. You need power to understand this revelation of God. It's not just merely understand conceptually. It's an experience in the Christian life. And I, I just, I feel like God's kind of sweeping me off my feet. It's painful, but going, stop just thinking you know me. Love me. Walk with me. Let me in today, now. I was talking to... Um, Clive, uh, just on Friday, he just phoned me and he said, can I just share something with you that God's doing? And I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, but he said, I'm just finding that I'm starting with Jesus at the beginning of my day. He's like, every day is so much better. And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing opportunities. I'm excited about what God's doing. I've kind of got a fervor in my spirit. And I found it encouraging, Clive, saying that. I'm like, yeah, come on, Colin, make sure you start the day with Jesus. It's like, well done, everybody who did, did the litter picking. But it's a bit like litter picking. You kind of go, litter picking, really? But then you get there, you're part of a team, there's a great buzz, and you start to clean up an area, and you kind of go, this is actually quite good fun. It's actually quite satisfying. You feel like, and then I found myself thinking, I might phone the council and see if they can just give me a, a picker and a hoop and some bags that every time I walk Archie, not often, but every time I do, that I could just do some litter picking, because it, and it's almost like once you, once you start with Jesus, there's that, it begins to put a desire within us Paul's prayer was that we would know a love that surpasses knowledge he is not saying knowledge is wrong but that we would know more than just our minds can comprehend that we would experience the love of God not merely state as fact John 3.16 but to experience it that's what intimacy is and that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of of God. And then he does this great doxology. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul says, in light of all of this stuff, that brings glory to God. A church full of people who are saying, is that great title of the book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, who are walking with him every day. Jesus, you are Lord today. I desire you. I need you. I'm desperate to hear your voice and obey your voice. Hey, here's a good place to start. 
that we are those who are in the word, not merely reading it for because we should read it, but reading it like Samuel to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening and ready to obey. Can you stand, please? I just want to play this song. And I, I was reminded of it last week when um, Helen in the West just sung prophetically a song about running after Jesus. And I felt like God reminded me of this song that we used to sing 20 years ago. And I just want to use it as a, just for literally a couple of minutes, just as a song of response for you and your heart before Jesus. I feel like he's inviting me to greater intimacy with him. He is absolutely inviting us to greater intimacy with him. Amen. We, this is the painful thing of stop doing church and what it is to pursue the king and his kingdom is he's after our hearts, church. He loves us too much to leave us in self-sufficiency, kind of going, I've got life sorted, thanks. And so I'd love to play this song. I'm just going to finish with this very short quote, The Chariots of Fire, Eric Liddell. That, gr- that great quote, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. When I run, I feel God's pleasure. I just, just want to invite you as we listen to this song about running to Jesus. Please don't think, make that mistake we do with Revelation 3 about the knocking at the door and we kind of sometimes think, oh, that's for people who don't yet know Jesus. I mean, it's true, but Jesus is talking to us, his church. And just as this song is played, please don't think, oh, this song's just for people who don't yet know him. Well, it's true. And if you don't know him, can I encourage you run to him this morning but believer would you run afresh to him today that when you run this good race you would feel God's pleasure in every part of your life right to your innermost being that Jesus loves you and he is with you and he delights in you and I just just for the days ahead I feel as we learn this as we get hold of this as we spend time going God help us to be those who cherish intimacy with you Do you know what? We'll even begin to love the fact that we're loved by God. We'll begin to enjoy the fact that he enjoys us. So often we think, what's in me to enjoy? Well, the work of Christ Jesus in you is what God takes pleasure over. He delights in the good work that he's begun and he will see it through to completion. So Neil, if you're happy to play that song, please listen to this and then um, we just draw it to a close. Please go and get your kids in a couple of minutes. Thanks. Thanks.